0: Okay, I'm glad you're here. Um, I want to try to just just suggest a, 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 a new model of, of, thinking, of um, thinking of creation, thinking of the world, thinking of our own individual lives. So, so a very kind of big idea, trying to express it. Um, let's, see, let's see how it goes. So, so we, anyone who knows anything about stars... Uh, knows that that in the core of a star there 's basically the the equivalent of a, a nuclear reactor, so there 's like this ongoing massive you know um, explosion going inside this star, and that keeps on going on it's it 's uh i guess it 's self generating on some level and and then that just produces this massive glowing you know brilliant object so 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 um, so, imagine, imagine, and then just tremendous light comes out of that. Tremendous, tremendous light. Now, God is good, and 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 one of the one of the uh, understandings of why create, God created the world, the the Ramchal goes into it, is that God wanted to share His goodness. Right? And, and so, and, and he did it in a way where he wanted to give good. What, what is the ultimate good? The ultimate good is God himself. So he wanted to give himself, he wanted to give the ultimate good in the ultimate, in the, in the best good way, if you will. So he wanted to give the ultimate good in the best way. So the ultimate good, meaning God himself. And he wanted to deliver that in the ideal way. So how is, he, how is he going to do that? So he creates a system because we have this concept called the bread of shame, which is that if someone gets something for free without working for it, then they feel they don't feel great about it. So, so in order to give the ultimate good in the best way, you have to give the good in a way where the person has earned it on, on some level. So that this whole world then becomes a staging ground so that people can earn the ultimate good that they're going to receive forever. Um, Re- Robinson Freeman said something beautiful yesterday. She, she, she said she didn't know where she saw it. I, I hope I'm quoting her accurately. But it was basically, life is the chance that you get to decide what you want to do for eternity. <laughs> so so eternity is this is this staging ground where um, where you get to receive in a way that you've actually earned all the good that you've done but that means that there has to be a, a zone a dimension where you actually get to earn the the stuff and that's this that's this lifetime right and remember remember the whole idea that... That uh, that if you have anything infinite next to something finite, even if the finite thing is very large, compared to the infinite thing right next to it, the finite thing is is nothing, right? So so the life of the soul is is eternal. So that means that we live forever. So even though this lifetime, even if we have God forbid hardship and things like that, might seem very, very long. Nonetheless, when you compare it to the eternity of the soul, this life is, is nothing. Even if, God, when we all live to 120, it's, it's nothing compared to the the ultimate thing. So from Hashem's perspective, from Hashem's perspective, it's like, you know, there's one of the all-time greatest stories I ever heard. I, I wish I could tell you the Rebbe who said it. After after Tishabov, which is, of course, the... The day that we commemorate, you know, all the collective tragedies of the of the Jewish people, the first Shabbos afterwards, we're, we're reading um, the Haftorah, "Nachamu, Nachamu," right, which means which means, um, you know, that 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 God is saying that my children, be, be comforted, be comforted, and it, it, famously, it's 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 doubled, "Nachamu, Nachamu." Like one "Nachamu" could be enough, right, because that, that gets the point across, but it's 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 a double. "Nachamu, Nachamu." So, so one of the explanations that I heard from that, um, is, is, that is that Hashem says, you know something, Every, the first nachamu, everything you went through, you should know is ultimately for your benefit. And that's in, in light of what we're learning in the name of the Ramachal, that because why? Because you were able to earn your eternal reward. right? So ultimately, everything you went through, even if it was hard, was for your benefit. That's the first comfort, right? But listen to this. The second Nakamu is Hashem saying, But still I'm sorry you had to go through it. So that's that's an amazing that's an amazing Torah because it shows you how loving God is. And from God's perspective, even though this whole system has been built for our benefit, still nonetheless Hashem understands that they're suffering. And Hashem has compassion for that. So, so that's, that, that's, that's something. Now, now I want to go back to this idea of the, the star, right? So you have this idea of God's goodness, right? If we want to compare it just for a moment to a star, that you have just like this idea of this light radiating out in the most amazing way. Remember, one of the, one of the names of Hashem is Or Ein Sof right which is which means light without end so you have this idea of just light just goodness just truth just like you know beyond anything that we can imagine dimensions beyond anything we can imagine just radiating out in the most glorious way right but you have this idea that in the core of every star is this reactor which is generating generating this light now the Kutzker Rebbe explains that one of the reasons why... Now, we just we said the Ramchal, right? Now we're going to sort of like put them together. One of the, we said that the Ramchal is talking about that God created the world for the purpose of sharing His goodness and everything like that. All that's true, but now we're going to look at it on a, a, another angle, okay? So according to the Kutzker, God created the world so that to, to elevate all the heavens, to elevate all of creation... Now, think about the star now again. See, the idea is that this, this dimension that we're in right now would be the core of the nuclear reactor, the core of the star, according to this. Because basically, this is the lowest of all of the worlds. And when this world gets lifted up, what happens is all of the worlds get lifted up. So in other words, this being the core of the reactor when, when, when light gets generated in this world, the star shoots out even further and, 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 more expansively and, and, and brighter. So the, how does the core of the reactor work then? Now, remember each individual person, it says in the Talmud, if you save one person, it's like you save the world. So each person is compared to a world or a universe. So now, when each person overcomes challenge, what they're doing is they're producing light, and they're keeping the entire system going. And the more you overcome a personal challenge, the more you generate like energy within the core of the reactor, so to speak. Do you understand? And the more light shoots out, and the more all of the heavens are lifted up. So, so this is something, and now, listen to this amazing thing. Listen to this amazing thing. Everything you generate, all the wattage, all the light that you generate, right? You then get to keep yourself. (laughs) So, there's this amazing, there's this amazing construct that God in his infinity has, has, has put into place where... Not only are you increasing light and raising up all the worlds, but at the same time, you are becoming the personal beneficiary of every good thing that you're doing. So this is this is an amazing system. This is an amazing system. Now, I'll tell you a story, a parable I heard from uh, Rabbi David Zeller, Allah of shalom. Mm-hmm. and he, he, he's, he said it, I heard him say it here in Los Angeles on a Shabbos, that um, there was a, a a very you know wealthy man, and he wanted to build like the ultimate home, like like almost like a like a, almost like a palace for himself, you know. And so he sought out a a great architect, and he said to the architect, "Build me your dream home." Right, like what you would imagine to be like the greatest home you could live in, right? So he he starts. The architect comes out and he he, he makes plans for this thing, and and now the um, the patron says, uh, "Okay, great, go ahead and build it." So he starts to build it, and, and you know, it, some of the supplies are are hard to get. You know, like like I know, this is. Not part of the barrel, I'm just adding this but, You know, there's certain woods that like certain mahoganies, like like in like in South American forests, like, you know, they're hard to get, you know. And and some of those woods, by the way, are so hard. Like I, I saw this this uh in an account I was reading about um when Henry Ford was was making a tire factory in, in the Amazon jungle, you know, that that some of those um Trees are so hard, they were breaking the sauce. The whole, the, in fact, the whole wood cutting, you know, little factories were, were literally like destroyed because the wood was so hard. Anyway, these are all asides. So back to the parable. <laughs> so anyway, he finds that, you know, he has certain materials in mind, but they're hard to get. And so he, so he cuts back, he goes, okay, we don't need to get it exactly like that, we'll get it like this. And now he starts to find that he's behind schedule and he's starting to run out of time a little bit. So okay, that whole wing of the house, it's not so necessary. <laughs> you know, he starts to erase certain things and, and everything like this. By the time the house is finished, it's not the house that was originally designed. Okay? And the owner comes up and the architect says, well, here's the home, right? And, um... And, uh... He he says to the the owner, you know, you know, enjoy it or whatever it is, and and it's but it's it's not what he had designed. And the owner says, Oh no, this is not for me. This this is for you. <laughs> so so, you know, a a lot of times we we go through life and and we don't fully appreciate that that God in His infinity in His love in his wisdom has designed a system which on the one hand is like raising up all of the heavens but simultaneously we're the complete beneficiaries beneficiaries of it so so a lot of times so many people go through life and they think like 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 this this god with a whip you know is standing over them and and insisting on this and insisting on that and you know we're these oppressed you know people you know who you know have to do this and have to do that and it's 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 we we don't realize that we're working for ourselves on some level you know that that we get all the profits at the end of the day while simultaneously raising up all the worlds and increasing the light in the most awesome way in ways that we can't even imagine so there's another parable parable that that, that illustrates this point so so this is from the Dubanum Magin and he says that you know you know back in the day they they people traveled by steamships and um, there would be porters there and they would they would sort of like assist people with their luggage so there was um one person you know the the, the porter goes to a, a guy and he he says okay you know that guy you know I'm going to ask him if he wants me to take his stuff and uh Guy agrees and the guy the porter sees like a, a mound of luggage. Like you know, and he's like he puts it all up on the on the on the hand truck and the cart, whatever it is, and he's pushing it and the whole time he's going, Ay, ay, you know, this guy, this rich guy better give me a good tip for this. He and he's thinking this over and over again the whole time. He's just like complaining and everything like this. He gets to the the rich man's door knocks on the door with a pile of luggage. And, and, he, and, he, and he's like, well, you know, like, where's my payment, basically? And the rich man says back to him, he goes, oh, no, this wasn't mine. I had a little bag of diamonds. <laughs> it was very, very light. <laughs> that was my whole thing. And so, so the parable, that's the end of the story. The parable is that he was lugging the wrong thing. And cursing the guy out, meanwhile, the thing that was really, that he was supposed to take was a very light bag of diamonds, which was infinitely more precious than, by the way, what he was lugging. So, so, so hopefully the point is clear. God says, my mitzvahs are very light. <laughs> they're, they're diamonds, you know? Like, in other words, if you, if you, if you think that they're these huge, heavy things, you got the wrong package. There's some disconnect going on. So another another thing, uh, another story along these lines to illustrate the point. Um, I, I forgot the name of the Rebbe, but but a famous famous classic story. Someone goes up to a Rebbe and says, you know, I, I don't believe in God for this reason, and I don't believe in God for that reason, and I don't believe in God for this reason. And the Rebbe is very, very sympathetic, extremely sympathetic. And at the end of the conversation, the Rebbe says, "You know something? You know, um, I I also don't believe in God." Rebbe. Yeah. 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 So, so, so the person says, "Rebbe, you you don't believe in God," and he goes, "Yeah, the God you don't believe in, I also don't believe in." <laughs> right. And that's the end of the story. But the 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 understanding is is that because the god that we actually believe in isn't isn't this god isn't this god see but for a person to understand that see because there is pain in the world and there is suffering in the world and that's not that's not a joke and so for a person to 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 reconcile all of these things they have to understand a very core understanding of, of Judaism and Torah, which is the goodness of God. Because none of these ideas work unless a person understands very firmly the goodness of God. Now, I just want to make one more point before we go into that. Maybe we'll go into that a little bit more. But getting back to this idea of the core reactor and the star, right? You see, with this in mind, you understand, again, what is generating that core reactor? is is us confronting challenges and then overcoming them right now in order for that dynamic to exist what a person needs is free choice see you see how the entire structure the entire universe is built on free choice do you do you see it there and so remember we're learning it all the time, but but now you'll see just how central this idea is. Like, just re, let's relearn a piece of Torah in this context, and you'll hear how central it is. Remember, the Zohar says that basically the whole Torah can be put into the word brechis. Right? That's the first word of the Torah. And then it goes even further, that you can put all of brechis in the first letter of brechis. So if you can imagine if you can imagine like this giant triangle, or a giant pyramid, let's say, since we're in Shmos, right? the giant upside-down pyramid, being the Torah itself, all balancing on the bays of Rashis, the first letter of the Torah, right? So one of the levels of what bays, the letter bays, the first letter of the Torah stands for, remember in the the Torah is the blueprint of the universe, so this is the, the first letter, the, first, the, the entryway of the blueprint of the whole universe, right? Is this letter, Bez. Bez is the number two, because it's the second letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So one of the levels of Bez is it stands for free choice, because you can either do this or you can do that. In other words, you can go in one of two paths. That's free choice. And in order to have free choice, God has to create the illusion that He's not here. Because you then have to believe that He is here, and you then have to believe that because He's here, you need to do the following. So you see how all of existence then becomes built on not just free choice, but the necessity of God being concealed in this world. See, that that the entire, everything revolves around this. And then you say, but why, why would God conceal himself? God is so good, why would he want to conceal himself? Now remember again, this lifetime is like that. And you yourself are the beneficiary of everything, of every effort, of every minute effort that you go through. There's a famous story, I think it's told about the <coughs> wife of the Vilna Gon, if I'm not mistaken, where, I don't know, it's a whole thing, I'm, I'm just kind of cutting to the, to, the, to the chase, I don't remember all the details, but basically, they, they, she asked someone, or her best friend asked, her, whatever it was, someone to explain, to, 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 to visit them after they've gone to the next world, to come and to explain what the next world is like. And 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 they say, do you remember that time where we left the house and there was someone who was leaving and they wanted to do some chesed, some, some act of kindness or charity or whatever it was, and someone was leaving or what, whatever it was. I don't remember the details, but, but the point is this. One of us raised a finger to point to the person who was leaving. Right? You know, it was like as a way to try to catch the person, whatever it was. It was just a small effort that was part and parcel of trying to do this, this act of kindness that they weren't able to do in the story, by the way. And the person came back from the next world or communicated in a dream. I don't, I'm not sure exactly what it was, but communicated. Do you remember when you lifted that finger? You can't even comprehend the levels of reward that come from your lifting that finger to point at that moment. so we 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 have no idea we we have no idea. We have no idea. And then the question is, is that is that who do you want to be? Think of that Porter story again. Do you want to be? The person, in every version, like it says in per Abos, everyone's got a share in the world to come. Every single person, right? You can't, in fact, this is, it's going to sound like a joke, but it's not a joke. This is a Rambam. This is a real Rambam. An explanation of why there are so many mitzvahs. All right? And the Rambam explains, on one level, there's so many mitzvahs so that you can't get through this world without doing something right. Sounds like a joke, Right? <coughs> You can't get through this world without doing something right. So, so, you know, we even have this concept that, like, um, that, like, for instance, when the Jews were going into Israel initially, that that there was a, a delay, basically, waiting for the nations of the world that were dwelling there at the time and who were doing all sorts of like idol worship and child sacrifice and all sorts of horrible stuff that God was waiting for them to 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 just um, reach that point of no return in terms of in terms of lack of righteousness before they were exiled from the land so in other words we we have this concept of a God who's very very patient even when he's dealing with people who are like steeped in child worship uh, child, uh, sacrifice and and avodasor, that it wasn't just sort of like, hey, you guys get out of here. I know you're doing a lot of. So in other words, just the concept that 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 almost everyone is doing something right. So 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 we don't get through. So so now imagine imagine that you're actually committed to doing the right thing. That you're that you're not just gonna not get through this world without doing something right but you're actively going to pursue doing things right it's it's beyond awesome it's beyond awesome it's beyond awesome you know i saw something the the other day that um that our galaxy apparently according to the latest science our galaxy is actually moving it's shifting and they say that they they have They've only been able to notice this recently now at what speed is our galaxy moving they they have measurements for this okay this is out of some science magazine as of a couple of days ago okay our galaxy is shifting at 2 million kilometers an hour <laughs> Now imagine for a moment how vast the universe is. Can you imagine? You're heading somewhere at 2 million kilometers an hour. Not only do you not feel any movement, but you're not even close to getting anywhere yet. I mean, not even remotely close to getting anywhere yet. And this is, that's per hour, and this has been going on for decades and decades and decades. So... Now, that's the vastness of this universe. And then remember, this universe is only one dimension. Right? Because we've got dimensions beyond this, and then dimensions beyond the dimensions. So... I mean, there is... When it says in that you that can, you can trust the employer to pay, that means that God knows who you are. God is absolutely aware of every single thing that you're doing. And you can trust the employer to pay. Right? God gives us the mitzvah that we have to pay our workers. And we can't, like can't not pay them, basically. You have to be mindful to give the person their wages in the proper time. And we say that God keep, keeps the Torah also. In fact, one of the understandings of us leaving Egypt and taking the gold and silver out of Egypt was that this was payment for all of the work that we did, you know, on their highways and pyramids and storage houses and all the infrastructure of building up Egypt, which we were not paid for. It's sort of like, okay... Yeah, that's, that actually, we we actually earned that. So God is very, very trustworthy. So, and when you see how vast the universe is, you say, God did all of that. Okay, yeah, all right. He knows what's going on, obviously, right? Okay, so, so we're lucky, you know? We're lucky to exist at all, and you know, like, like I always think, we we, we have to make sure that we're, we're we're thinking intelligently, and 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 one intelligent thought is to is just to understand that this world does not have to exist at all. It doesn't, there doesn't, you know what I mean? Like we, we, we tend to join the idea of our lives and reality and everything like that. Step number like eight. Now there's so many steps before this. And if we understand and appreciate from the, from the, from the outset that this world absolutely doesn't have to exist at all. And that we're lucky to be part of this story at all. You know, when, when my first child was born, they had, outside the window above a restaurant, um, it was the Hard Rock Cafe, it's not there anymore, but this was on La Cienega, outside, right outside of uh, Cedar Sina. They had the, the world population sign above the entrance, and it was like one of those things, maybe you've seen them, I, I haven't seen one in a, in a while, but there was a while when they used to pop up around, and you see these rolling numbers you know, rolling numbers, like, you know, and and I remember as my wife is giving birth, I was, you know, f- filming it. Well, she wasn't giving birth at that point yet, but she was, like, you know, pretty close. And I remember looking out the window and filming the sign <laughs> and saying to my son, you know, I, like, you, look, you get, you know, you're invited to the party. <laughs> this is like God is throwing a party, and everyone who's alive, got you're on the guest list. You made it. You made it. So, so, what are the obstacles for us understanding this? Okay. Maybe we'll just transition. So, um, the 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 mayor of Eshemish quotes the, the Zaladachov, one of the great Hasidic masters. Um. Who has an unbel- unbelievable interpretation? Like, just this is like you want to see a, a classic bit of Chassidus. just classic. This is in Devarim, uh, chapter five, verse five. If you want to see it for yourself, and Moshe Rabbeinu is is talking about the. Remember in 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 Devarim, the last book of the Torah, which is Deuteronomy, which Moshe started saying this month, the first day of Shvat. We're a few days into Shvat right now, so. So, Moshe's reviewing all of the events of the Torah, and he's talking about how God gave the, the Torah at Mount Sinai. And then Moshe says, in verse 5, I, w- I, meaning Moshe, I was standing between Hashem and you. Right? At that time, to relate the words of Hashem to you, for you were afraid of the fire, and you didn't ascend to the mountain. Saying, right? So, it goes on. But, but here's the key part. Uh, I'll read it in Hebrew, the beginning part. Um, it says, Anochi Bain Hashem I was standing between Hashem and you. So, so let's just take a step backwards, just so you understand why I'm telling you all this. What are, what are the obstacles to understanding everything we've been talking about right now? So a lot of it is um, ego. A lot of it is ego. And remember, I always feel um, that it's necessary to explain that ego does not mean self-esteem. Every single person has to have self-esteem. That's the engine that allows you to move forward. You have to think that you're good. You have to know that everything that you do is precious and valuable. right? But when we talk about ego, what we're saying is... We're talking about the downside of that. When you attribute power to yourself that you don't have. Right? So you want to get rid of your ego, but you never want to get rid of your self-esteem. right? And when you read um, Rebbe's, like, especially um, like translations especially of Rebbe Nachman and things like that, he's always talking about bitl, meaning kind of like making yourself into nothing. But understand very, very well, he's not talking about getting rid of your self-esteem. Right, that's a, that's a, a it's a danger of reading um, certain holy texts because they they assume that you know that. Okay, so so just very important. But but ego, you got to get rid of. You can't you can't think that you have power that you don't have because God is running the world. All right, so listen, li, listen, listen to this. So it says, Anochi means. I, in Hebrew. Okay? So it says, Anochi Bein Hashem uvenechem." I, the ego, stands between <laughs> God and you. <laughs> that when you have a big sense of I, a big sense of ego, when you imagine yourself to be the center of the universe, right? That's what stands between you and Hashem. That's what blocks you and Asha. So, that's, that's a giant Torah. That's a giant Torah. And I, I'm going to relate another teaching to that because you'll see it's saying the same thing, but just it's good to hear it again in another context the very first thing that we say or that we're supposed to say when we wake up in the morning is moda ani lifenacha, right? That I, I gratefully thank you, God, you know, and Melachai and, am and, uh, the living king, you know, who, who believes greatly in, in us, you know? We believe greatly in and who has great confidence in us as well. He's given us another day because he believes in us so much. That's the Alexander Rebbe's shot on that. But anyway... Grammatically speaking, it should be ani mode. Not mode ani, ani mode. That's cr- proper grammar. But the rabbis were like, you're going to wake up every morning and the first word out of your mouth is going to be ani, I? That, 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 that everything is about you? Chas mm-hmm. v'shalom. So they actually contorted the grammar so that it should be mode anilifen. <laughs> That's that's an amazing that's an amazing thing. That's an amazing thing. Because if a person a person must shift the i otherwise they they're not they're, they're going to stand between themselves and God. The anohi this I-ness, this ego is going to block a person their entire life. It's going to obscure the light of God. It's going to stand between them and other people. It's going to stand even between them and themselves. Because because your own soul, your own soul is a piece of God. So you're literally going to stand between you and yourself um, if you don't block out the eye. And I just want to, just maybe to get a step further, just to connect this idea back to the Zalat HaTchavar, which is that, L'thenecha means before you, right? So it, it almost has a connotation of, it could be like almost like pushing away, so... I'm taking the ani I'm taking it from in between the two of us and I'm putting it before. In other words, I'm pushing the, the eye out of the way. Right? So that I can start the day. So I can start the day with the proper thing. So remember, you know, how a person has what a person's attitude. I heard Rabbi Green say one time that 99% of life is in your head. Right? Meaning to say how you're able to get through life. It's, And by the way, you should know, every single person has a religion. Every Even the greatest atheist has a religion. You know what their religion is? Their religion is there's no God. In other words, every, every single person has a belief system. How would you define the word religion? It's a belief system. Every single person has a belief system. There is no person who doesn't have a belief system. Their belief system might be, there's everything is about me and this world and what I can grab my hands onto, right? So you say, ah, that person has no belief. What are you talking about? That person has a very hardcore belief. He believes it's all about him and what he can grab his hands on, and that's what it is. So there is no person without a belief system. Every single person has a belief system. And every person, by the way, is going to ruminate over the same several categories over the course of their entire life. Money, food, sex, shelter. It's basically what you're going to be ruminating on your entire life. <laughs> God, hopefully. Right? That's it. And it's going to be, you're going to be approaching those categories from like different angles over the course of your life. Which means that you will, whether you consciously design a belief system or don't consciously design it, whether you're just incredibly reactive your entire life, either way, a belief system is going to fall into place. So the question is, w- wouldn't you like to consciously construct your belief system? How about How about this? Wouldn't you not only want to consciously construct your own belief system, wouldn't you want to receive all of the wisdom of the ages in terms of your belief system? Wouldn't you want your belief system to be filtered through the prophets who heard from God and through God himself who's trying to actively guide us through our lives? Wouldn't that be the ultimate to actually see this world as it actually is? So that's what Torah is doing. That's, that's what we're doing when we're, when we're learning together, when we're studying, when we're doing mitzvahs. Remember, it says, Nase what, is, what does that mean? Nase These are, they say, the, the, the greatest words that the, the Jewish people ever spoke. What does that mean? That means we will do and we will hear. In other words, we put the hearing before the doing. Meaning to say that we just understood as a premise, God is good, and we're going to do it. Okay, you explain to me later how it makes sense. Remember the, the famous story they were singing in at 770, at, at Chabad, they were singing, we want Mashiach now, we don't want to wait. They were singing it to the Rebbe on, or with the Rebbe on Shabbos. So someone came up to the Rebbe and said, we know that it, our tradition is that Mashiach doesn't come on Shabbos. So what are they doing? They're singing we want Mashiach now, it's Shabbos, we don't want to wait. So the Rebbe said back to the person, you know what? Let Mashiach come, and then he'll explain how he came on Shabbos. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> so, you know, <laughs> so, <laughs> let's do, we're going to do, and we'll find out the explanation afterwards, right? But, but, because we know, we know that it's coming from God. And even if we don't know that it's coming from God, even if we're struggling and is it, is it not, maybe, maybe not, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. So then you go say, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And the next thing you know, you're 120, and that's it. And what's your legacy? I didn't know. (laughs) You know what? It's a pretty lukewarm legacy. It's a pretty lukewarm legacy. That's just my personal opinion. You can reach your own decision. You can say that was great wisdom. I I actually made it through this world without committing. This was a great act of something. I don't know. I'm sure you'll provide a very, you know, nice word to describe that. But, 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 but why? What kind of legacy is that? Because the bottom line is, and here's the point, the bottom line is you're going to come up with your own theology anyway everyone is coming up with their own theology anyway so I, I think someone can do better then you know what my great theology was I didn't know okay but 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 then but then the soul lives up remember remember those words life is where you get to decide what you want to do for all eternity it's one it's one spectrum. It's one spectrum. So what are we talking about? We're talking about, you know, we're talking about Shabbos. I mean, when it all boils down to it, what are we really talking about? We're talking about Shabbos. We're talking about Kashrus. For men, we're talking about Tefillin. For, for married couples, we're talking about Mikvah. That's basically, it's, these are basically the foundations. This is basically what we're talking about. Okay, that's it. That's it. That's that. That is, you know, when you when you actually apply it to the here and now, there's a lot of structure for a life. It is, but it's. It, it creates. It, it it creates a life as well. You know. I I will just say on a personal level. I mean. I, I. I didn't grow up with that structure. And I'm so grateful, I'm so grateful, endlessly grateful, that I, that I can live in this way, or try to live in this way. Endlessly grateful. Because there is nothing more crushing than an existential sense of ultimate meaninglessness. There is nothing more crushing than that. And what are you trading for that? The ability to go to a party on a Friday night, or a concert on a Friday night, or a, a, a hot new restaurant that might have, by the way, great food. Might, might say, oh, what do you want to eat there for? The food is terrible. It might be the best food you've ever had in your whole life. You know what it says? It says, don't say pork is disgusting. Say pork is absolutely delicious, but what can I do? My Father in Heaven told me not to eat it. Right? We don't have to put down other things and pretend that they're not fun or great. They are fun and great. But it also doesn't mean that we have to trade our souls for them. Okay. So just to wrap it up, just one more beautiful level, just to bring the whole imagery of the the, the stars all together, is that Hashem speaks to Avraham in the beginning of the Torah, in the first book of the Torah, and says that the Jewish people are going to be like stars. And at the end of the Torah, Moshe says to the Jewish people, behold, you're like stars in the heaven. So, so this is a a bit of imagery that's, that's obviously, like everything else in the Torah, endlessly deep and is working on so many different levels, and we should just shine and shine and shine. Now for some questions and answers. Yeah. It's awesome so far. Yeah, yeah. Um, so earlier you. We'll, were tra- we'll try not to blow it in the next two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, earlier you were talking about, you know, the pain and the struggles that people go through and that uh, I guess like the heart of their challenge and we overcome it. We're our own universe and yeah. making it shine brighter right. and we're also getting the reward. Right. That I understand on like a logical level, but yeah. when someone is struggling yes. emotionally, yes how do you like saying you you know the, the universe is so vast if you understood god's plan right. you would know that this is for your benefit right. yeah. so is there some sort of language on an emotional level to tell someone you know i got i got when it, when it, when it comes to situations like that you just got to be a person's friend it's like there are certain times when you can try to learn with them and be logical with them, and there are other times when you just have to give them a hug and, and maybe even cry with them, and and that's what it is. And if a person has wisdom, they know when when each of those times is the right time. You know, like I always remember the probably the greatest comfort anyone said to me when my mom had left the world was. They saw me in shul, it was after Shacharis, and it was during the week, and someone I didn't know very well, and they came up to me and they just kind of looked at me and they went, no, they just kind of raised their shoulders and gave me a sad face, and I responded in the same way, and then they walked on. And they didn't say one word to me. And I remember that as being the nicest thing anyone said to me. Because I didn't want to hear any speeches. You know, they were there, and it was real, and that was it. So, so you, it's, it's allowing yourself to be with another person in their suffering. And to know, you know, it says in Perkei Avos that you don't try to console a person when they're in front of their dead. So when a wound is super fresh for a person, usually speaking, they're not even eligible for an explanation. And you have to kind of appreciate that. That's just our humanity, at work, at that point. Um, there's a great story, um, I think it's in Holy Brother, that uh, Reb Shlomo was in the hospital. He was a patient in the hospital. It may have been when he was having his pacemaker put in, I don't know. And the, one of the hospital workers came to his hospital room and he wasn't in his bed. And they were like, you know, he's, you know, like very much a patient in the hospital at the time. They were like, where is he? Where is he? They found him in another um, room in the hospital. He was going, doing biker cholim. He was giving, he was visiting the sick. So, this is awesome. This is awesome. And they asked him, you know, you're going to recover, and then you'll be able to do biker cholim. You'll be able to visit the sick. Why are you doing it now? And he... He said, you don't understand. He said, right now, he said, then I'm going to be a healthy person visiting a sick person. He said, right now, I'm a sick person visiting other sick people. And what I can do on that level, I can't do on the other level. Wow. That's awesome. That, that's, that's awesome. That was in Yomi yesterday, similar to where it says that when a person is hungry, they have two hearts, and after they eat, they have one heart. Wow. And wow. So. wow. This morning you said um, that the last three Makot are uh, on some level, they're yeah. like the highest level. Yeah, the top three Sphirot, yeah. Can you explain how? And because it's the Pasha of the week, maybe that's something that will. Well, it's getting to the head, you know. I mean, basically, it's on a very simple level. You've got the the plagues are divided up into the bottom seven and the top three. And that's how the spherot are also organized. There's the top three and the bottom seven. It's an exact parallel. It's very, very deep, the connections. But basically, the top three correlate with the the mind. You know, hachma bin and das, you know... And, um, and that, that every human being's faculties are divided up into two categories. So i um, drawing from Rabbi Moshe Shapiro Shlita And that, that, that basically you have the decision to act and then the ability to act. So that first the mind thinks and the body does. So that would be a way of taking the top three and the bottom seven. The top three is the mind acting, the bottom seven are the body does, if you want to correlate it into a real human level. And so if you want to say, well, how does that, the top three now, relate to us now, perhaps you can say, what it means is, is that right now, as we're right on, right now we're crossing the line, literally, we're crossing the line from enslavement to freedom. You have to have a plan for what you're going to do now. You have to, you have to know, how are you going to access the freedom in front of you? If you really want to live with the Torah right now, that's where the Torah is right now. See, the thing is is that Rib Shlomo said very, very deeply, very profoundly, that that you can't be free unless you have a plan. In other words, people go through their lives reactively. It's sort of like, now this bill is due. Now I gotta do that. Now I gotta go here. Mm-hmm. And that's I would say that's life living them. I would say that's not you living life. In order for you to live life, you have to actually have a plan in place, and then you can execute the plan, right? What's the first thing that happens after we get out of Egypt, basically? I mean, the first thing that happens happens 50 days later. It's, it's, that's like pretty soon after, after 430 years. You know, 50 days is a drop in the bucket. What, what's the first thing that happens? We get the Torah. The Torah is the plan. That's the plan. God didn't give us freedom without a plan. You know, you know, that's why, you know, we live in Hollywood right now, and, and Hollywood is, you see countless examples of people who become very, very famous, and they don't have a vessel to hold the opportunity that's coming their way, because now they're good-looking, they're young, they're rich, every door is open to them, and they become destroyed by the level of opportunity that's in front of them, because it's very hard, especially I have a lot of compassion for people who are in that position. You know, you say, oh, you know, you, you feel bad for this celebrity? I, I often do, actually, because it's sort of like, in order to be able to receive that level of, like, you, you're, they're getting a blast of life force. And, you know, if they don't have the vessel to hold that energy, they, they get obliterated by it. It's, it's not a simple thing at all, you know? You can have a lot of Rachmanis for celebrities. I'm being very serious right now. Um, but, but that's all of us also. It's all of us also. And, and so right now, as we approach freedom, and we're leaving the top, the top three Makos, which correlate, correlate with the mind, into freedom, we have to make some decisions about the life that we want to live moving forward. Um, there's a, I heard Rabbi Pesach Krohn was talking about, he said uh, what he thought was an, an, an unfortunate thing that he's witnessed a lot of times, which was he said he would go to a shiva house and the people, um, the visitors, would tell the children, and, and especially the children he was talking about, but I'm sure it includes the spouse as well, but, but telling the children all these great acts of kindness and chesed and mitzvahs that the, that the deceased did. And he said that he felt, Rabbi Krohn said he felt that it was a shame that the children were hearing it as adults from, from people other than the parent. Because that, that these great things that the parent were doing, that these are, these are really important um, educational things. And you see, we do have a concept very much that you keep your mitzvahs hidden and your acts of righteousness hidden. But he was saying that when it comes to children and students, this was Rabbi Kron speaking, when it comes to children and students, you should share what you're doing mm-hmm. in order to educate them. You know, I, I, heard, I heard there was someone who was nifter, very young, and it was a very tragic story in, um, in the old city in Jerusalem. And they said that uh, one of the things, like all these like amazing mitzvahs that he was doing came out, and one of the things he was doing was Arab Shabbos. He was, he was putting, a, you know, tzedakah checks under people's doors before, um, before Shabbos, and 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 it was all hidden, and they didn't know where the money was coming from, and everything like that. And I immediately thought that oh, this is like the Reb Sh- Reb, the story Reb Shlomo tells, you know, about the holy miser, and he was listening to those stories. Mm. So so. You know, in other words, a lot of times when you can share with people what you're doing, in that context, you can still keep it hidden. You see, like Reb Shlomo says, one of the reasons a person needs a revi is to know when to serve God secretly and when to serve God publicly. (laughs) See, you see, there are certain times where your your desire to do things in the holiest way will make you want to do it secretly, but that That isn't always the case. It might be that that's a mitzvah that you tell everyone that you did. Not because you want to lend glory to yourself, but because you want to educate people that that's that's an idea in heavenly service that they can do also. By the way, it says in the Gomorrah that rich people are supposed to have their name on the outside of a building. That that is that they're supposed to do that. So sometimes people go, Oh, look, he did it so he could have his name on the building. Those people are 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 incorrect. They don't understand that there's a psychology among very rich people that if they see someone's name on a building, that they say to themselves, I should also have my name on a building. And and that they will then donate a, a, a major building themselves. And that—that's that—that's that at that level. That—that's righteousness at that level, right? That's not trying to seek glory for for the for their own self. So so um, so anyway, um, we should just know that that that, that ego. You see, the yetsahara is very tricky. The negative inclination is very tricky. Sometimes it'll even come to you to tell you to be righteous or what you perceive to be righteous in a way that it's not the proper way to be righteous in that way. In other words, to keep this a secret when you should actually be public with it. Mm-hmm. But again, that's what you need, That's one of the things you need a Rebbe for. You have to ask them, like, is this something I keep secret or is this something I tell? But in general, you should know there's a hetter, so to speak. There's permission, so to speak, to share with children and students. Mm-hmm. Right? That, because that's, it's, 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 a, it's a different level. Yesterday, you, you said something about um, that every parsha applies to what's going on. Yeah. And because I just wanted you to remind me how you said that it's not just like oh it, it happens to be that it coincides, but that right? Yes. Okay. So uh, um, I'll say it and again. That's yeah. One. Thing yeah. Let and, me let me say yeah. that one first. So so the idea is that um, whatever is going on in the Torah the weekly Parsha is going on in the world. And I want you to make a distinction that this isn't a form of holy fortune-telling, right? That, you know, but rather, it, it's, more, it's more concrete than that. As, as I heard, I saw Rabbi Wolfson say one time, um, Shlita, that, 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 the, that God takes the letters of the, 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 the weekly Parsha and He weaves them into the fabric of reality. So in other words, what you're experiencing is the Parsha. It's not some some that the Parsha is predicting what's going on. You are actually living the Parsha itself. You're living the Torah itself. So, so there's a direct correlation between what's going on in the Parsha and what's going on in the world. It's not that one predicts the other.